Hello, this is Jeff Johnson, host of the Living Undeterred podcast. And once again, I have a stellar guest, uh, Hillary Russo. And um, she was on my show, or she is on my show. I was on her show. I'm sorry, I'm mm-hmm. thinking ahead too much. Attention deficit can be your best friend. It can be your worst enemy <laughs> as well. Um, but I'm really excited to have you on the show and navigate through a lot of the topics that we talked about when I was on your show. Mm. It sounds like um turned out to be a good episode. And I kind of felt like we didn't have enough time to talk about all the things we wanted to talk about. There's never enough time to talk about our Isn't mental that the health. Truth? Like we need more time. So we make the time, right? We we have these opportunities where you share on my show on holistically speaking, I share on yours, living in the turd, and we just keep having these conversations so that we can raise awareness, right? Holistically speaking, how long have you been doing your show? <laughs> uh holistically speaking just hit its um Two, we're a little over two years, a little over a hundred episodes and, Mm. um, just really elated to be doing this. I mean, I've been in the broadcasting field since I walked out of college or not Mm -hmm. even in college, but I never really crossed over to the podcasting world and I've done radio, I've done TV, but something about podcasting, it's a very special group of community, you know, just a special group of people that tune in really like actively listen to what you have to share. So it's, it's special to me because it's those trauma to triumph stories through health, healing, and humor and being in holistic health. I want to hold space for people to share their stories, much like I have in broadcasting where people share their stories and then I broadcast it out. So it's very similar to that. What, what is holistic health? What is holistic health? Explain well, holistic, it to a layperson. Absolutely. Like sure. So holistic is basically the whole body, mind, body, spirit. Uh, it's emotional. It's physical. It's mental. It's everything that makes up who you are, because when you are treating one thing, you're not treating the whole body, right? So holistic Mm -hmm. means the body as a whole, which is the play on words, holistic, holistically speaking. But I'm a certified holistic health practitioner. Uh, I work in integrative nutrition. I'm also a certified havening techniques practitioner, which is a psychosensory approach, which uses touch and pleasant distraction to alter the landscape of the brain. So if we use this as our wheel, this is our wheel Mm -hmm. and we're driving it, We can guide everything else in this body, this vehicle that we live in, so that we live well, live long, and live happy, and live undeterred. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Good segue. Um, We hear a lot about neuroplasticity and Mm kind of how the brain, you know, continually can can learn and kind of rewire itself. And and, um, what most of the brain by 25 is, you know, supposedly with the prefrontal cortex and all that Mm -hmm. with regards to emotions and decision making is... You know, but again, I think when you're older, um, the brain is always rewiring uh, and, and relearning. And so I think, I think there's hope for uh, young people that haven't fully developed to get to them before they get into these bad habits and bad and negative thinking and things like that. And then there's also hope for us adults in learning to rewire and, and um, renegotiate maybe some of the, the emotions and feelings that we've kind of biased, grew up with biased, you know things that we um, think we know that Mm -hmm. as we start peeling back the layers, we find out there's more alternative options out there. And that's the exciting thing about the mental health frontier, the space right now that I'm, I'm really intrigued about. Definitely. And I'm, I'm with you on that one. I mean, someone who has worked in mental health as I have, the one thing I have learned and the one thing I love seeing is that we're giving the brain more attention. We're giving the, the possibilities of what the brain really can do. And the fact that we have, we have the ability to alter our thoughts, moods, behaviors, and habits. And if we realize that we control that, 
and we have those means, imagine how much we can achieve. Imagine the changes we can make. Because a lot of times, and I see this with clients, is that you you have your story, the thing that happened to you, right? Like even mm-hmm. with with what you've been through, it's the better road or the bitter road, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing that you you realize is that you you have a choice. We choose to choose. And if you realize you have a choice and you understand that the brain has that capacity to change, that means yes, the story happened, but I can change the narrative. And that's something I'm I'm very much about sharing with my clients, uh, just in general, as I I promote mental health, you know, I'm out there in the world. I'm a a wellness expert. I do a lot of television work. Um, I'm a health and wellness journalist. So it's what I focus on. And the thing that I, if we just spend more time realizing that we have the power to Mm -hmm. alter that, uh, the neuroplasticity, plasticity, all of the things that go on in that beautiful brain of ours and keep Amy safe, basically the amygdala, right? We call Mm -hmm. her Amy. Yeah, do you? (laughs) Yeah, we do. In the havening world, we call her Amy because basically havening is CPR for your amygdala. That's what it is. It's basically saying you're safe. The worst is over. Everything's okay. Right. You know, almost like a child falls and skins their knee, you get back up, you hug that child. And Mm -hmm. it's the same with the brain. The brain is conditioned to go to the negative place, right? Mm -hmm. It's our responsibility to say, you can change this, you can alter that, you can move this. And the more you do that, the more you empower yourself to live the life that you want to live. Yeah, I think, you know, and people who follow my story know I talk a lot about Stoics and how Mm -hmm. they reuse reframing, you know, for thousands of years about the idea of, you know, looking at a situation instead of accepting the narrative that maybe you're supposed to grieve a certain way, you're supposed Mm -hmm. to react to uh, something negative in your life in a certain manner, you know, reframing can really be a powerful tool as you go through life because it's pretty hard to stay the same. I mean, that's, Mm. that's, uh, that's a tough thing to do. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. And I think when you're, especially as you get older, and I'm, I'm talking like, like my dad's 90 right now. It's like, what do you say to an elderly person that can inspire them and keep them going? And you know, it's tough. I mean, you got to look at every stage that we go through and there's different ways you can look at things that happen in your life as either opportunities for you or they're, you know, they're things that happen to you and you're being punished, you know? And I think far too many of us just kind of hang on those linger in the past. And, and, uh, I think it's important that we don't tell people to like get over it Mm. and move on. I think it's more of, you know, adapting. And I love that you mentioned that because like, I remember when we spoke on holistically speaking, you were talking about your pillars and I too mm-hmm. have the pillars because I believe that before you can do any change, you have to have awareness, which you mm-hmm. align with as well. And when you're in that state of awareness, like something's up, something I want to change, you can then give yourself permission because it is about giving yourself permission and allow yourself to be the change and try to make those changes that you want because you're aware something needs to change. And then Mm -hmm. once you reach the allowance, you can move into the state of alignment. What is coming around me? What do I want to be around the people, the places, the things, the thoughts, the process that, that triple a mentality, that triple a process is really important. And by doing that, and and you even said something to go back to about, um, getting over it. I'm not a Mm -hmm. fan of that by any means, because we have to love all parts of ourselves. Everything we've been through has value. Every part of us, every time in our life, 
who's coming in, who's stepping in to challenge you in your mind? Is it the seven-year-old you? Is it the 25-year-old you? Is it the yesterday you? But if we're constantly putting that person down, then we're not holding space for ourselves to say, that part of me is okay. And I'm more progressed. I've progressed forward to the point where I can hold space for that younger me to say I've learned and it's okay to feel that way. It's a question of how long do you want to stay there, right? Mm -hmm. So I call it hugging it out. Like we talk about this all the time. Like when you get upset at someone and somebody comes along and goes, oh, come on, you guys just hug it out. Meaning like maybe you don't right. agree, but right. you're you're in a place where you're like, you're, you're not getting over it, but you're like, all right, I get it. You have your thoughts, I have mine, but we need to hug it out with ourselves, right? We need to hold space for ourselves first before we can do anything. And for hugging it out, it means healing, understanding, and gratitude. It's an acronym within my program. Mm. And when we do those three things, we create the space for change, which allows mm -hmm. the, the awareness allowing and alignment. So there's a lot of different ways to go about it, you know, but that works for me. What are the, what are the biggest reasons why we get held back? I mean, what, Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what, what keeps us, I mean, all this is great. People that listen to you or listen to me or read a motivational thing or whatever, mm -hmm. they're all excited. And then they, within a short amount of time, kind of go back to their old habits. I mean, what is it that holds us back to progressing with all this? Seems like there's just an abundance of knowledge and data mm -hmm. out there to help us become better humans, but we're exponentially worse off than we were a decade ago, at least emotionally. What holds us back is fear. And fear doubt. of what? Fear of success, fear of failure, doubt in ourselves. I mean, it really yeah. goes back to the inner bully. And I see this every day that you could be a rock star in your business. You can be killing it, at, you know, in your relationship, but something in there is like that inner bully that just is, you know, mm -hmm. we talk about imposter syndrome all the time. It's become like two mm -hmm. buzzwords, right? But it does live in us because we doubt something happened to us at some point, possibly in our lives that embarrassed us or made us feel like we were less than, or it, it, it challenged us in a way where the outcome wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And that's the inner bully. That's the inner child that can step up. So those are the things that kind of hold us back, you know, but it mm -hmm. could also be the fear of success, having too much. Suddenly people don't want to be around me because I'm not in their alignment anymore. Well, guess what? That's okay too, because you've mm -hmm. moved to a different place where you have more things to achieve and you can touch, move and inspire people in different ways. So well, the be the gift tools you're using. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, be the gift. a little delay you, here. <laughs> that's okay. Be the gift that you're meant to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. seems like the tools we use change as well. So mm. you can use a certain set of tools when you're younger, like for example, to get a 10 year old to meditate is probably impossible. It's difficult to do for an adult. It's easier. Um, I think we understand, we see the benefits of it, but for a child that we, they, the one challenge we have with dealing with kids isn't social media directly. It's not all the things out. It's, it's their attention spans. Mm. And so if you have a kid meditate, what you're fighting against is their inability to actually do nothing and just be aware. And it's very, it's, it's, you know, in my book, I write about if I took a kid and put him in the corner and said, you know, you're not, you're not punishment. I want you to just look at the wall and just think, not, not even think, just, just see what happens. Just watch the wall for five minutes and be aware of your thoughts, not think how many kids can do that today. They can't go five seconds without having some 
something think for them because I think the fear for attention for kids is their inability to trust themselves that they could actually do nothing. It's so terrifying. It's an, it, it is. And, and I think adults deal with that too. And I, I'm, oh, a yeah. college, yep. I'm a college professor also, and I deal with this a lot with my kids. It's like, you have to, um, we live in this world now where everything is click, swipe, move. Nobody has an attention span. Tons of social media where it's like the attention span mm -hmm. now is like we have less of an attention span. This is scientific than a goldfish. It's like nine hmm. seconds compared to the 12 seconds or something like that. I, I shared that in hmm. one of my, my workshops. And they probably our, are happy in their lives and we are too. <laughs> our, our attention span has, has lost seconds in the last 10 years, and we are now less of attention span than an actual goldfish. And this, I think, goes from like every, we're overstimulated. But to go mm. back to the idea of the child, because um, my work with kids, I mean, one of the things we are teaching them and putting in schools and is the social emotional learning tools. Now, you and I, when we were kids, when we got in trouble, you were sent to detention, go to your room, think about what you did. Did we ever do that? We we're no. doodling on our paper. No. We were Mm -hmm. ticket off. We were mad right. that we got caught, right. whatever it was. But what I've noticed and what's really changing the trajectory of things, and I love seeing this, um, is that with the tools that we're using and we being like my group with, within the Havening community, uh, you're, you're putting the brain in what they call a delta wave state when you do this Havening touch, but you're also aligning that with a pleasant distraction. So if you tell a child, instead of like, go think what you did, so tell them, you know what, I, I, I get it. You know, things are a little wonky right now. Right. So what I want you to do is just sit in the moment and do the havening touch and think of something that brings you joy. Maybe it's that last baseball game you played. Maybe you love Disney Broadway, sing a song to yourself. You give them a pleasant distraction and you align it with the havening touch, which is a psychosensory approach that's based on neuroscience. I studied with the founding mm -hmm. doctors they change the landscape of the brain and you basically are separating the upset from the actual thing that, that you're separating the upset and it's permanent. And you can do that with any everyday upsets, sleep issues, PTS, anxiety, stress. I mean, I use it with my kids with tech test taking in college. Is this something you have to do repeatedly over time to actually see it be a, be a no, normal reaction? You, it can happen in, in as little as one one time. I mean, I, I do it tons of times a day. And these are those SELs, those social emotional learning tools that we should be handing, no pun intended, to children just as much as we do to adults to yeah, give them the self-regulation. You know, yeah. imagine how things could be different in a number of these situations that have occurred in schools. And uh, right. we want to get, you know, to the, to the private moments, just like your son, where mm -hmm. it could have maybe been that one moment where it allows a sense of calm, the oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, and the gamma mm -hmm. to be released in the brain, those happy hormones to bring about a sense of calm for at least a moment that could change the trajectory of the outcome. That's what and I'm the talking challenge about. challenge is once they're down that road of substance abuse, then the brain is rewiring itself on the dependency of the abuse, the, whatever they're abusing. So, yeah. you know, the withdrawals from alcohol, the withdrawals from, from drug use are so powerful mm. uh, that once you're down those roads, then when you're in the, you know, the, the, the rehab 
mindset versus the prehab mindset. You know, when you're putting out the fire versus not letting the fire start in the first place, mm -hmm. that's a whole different deal. And I think the key with what you're talking about and what we've talked about, a lot of my guests on the show is how do we intervene before the intervention sounds cliche ish, mm -hmm. but it's like, we wait as a society to come rushing in with diagnosis and labels and, and books and methods and techniques. And it's like, that's great. I think we'll always need that. Yeah. Yet it seems like there isn't a lot of tension on just not getting the fire to start in the first place. And so I guess I'll go back to what you said that I think is important is you said, I don't know if you use the word empower, but mm -hmm. I think of autonomous where, how do we get it where kids, it's like, I see things post all the time, you know, how to mm -hmm. speak to your kids about drugs. How do you speak to your kids? And I say, that's the first mistake we make. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be speaking to our kids about drugs. We need to speak to our kids about how to make better decisions under difficult situations. And that leads to decisions like drugs. By the time you're talking to your kids about drugs, it's too late. So it's like, how do you empower your kids to go through the hierarchy of decision-making? You know, here I am, I have to breathe. I have to make a decision, you know, go through that real quick checklist when you're confronted with these tough decisions and that you can actually make what we all think as adults is the right decision, you know, not using these substances and not skipping school and all these things that kids start going down those roads. It's like, I struggle with that. That's where I, that's where I really am really intrigued where I think, you know, for me, where I want to spend a lot of my time building what we're building at living undeterred is to be able to find that, that, I don't know that, that aspect of that child's life where we can intervene you know, and not lecture them, not talk condescending, but, but show them, Hey, you know what? You have more control over your situation than you think you do. You, mm -hmm. you're, you have more confidence inside of you than you think you do. I think you know? that's it, Jeff, because I hear people say all, and you, you see a lot of coaches posting, this is like their elevator pitch. I empower men. I empower women. I empower mm -hmm. kids. No, you don't. I heal no, this. Don't. I heal that. I'm like, no, you right. don't. The only people right. you empower or the only person is you. The only person right. you heal is you. You can be a cat. Right. You can be a guide. You can be that yeah. person that says, I have the tools that can help you and support you. Stop mm -hmm. taking the power away from the person you're trying to help. Stop giving them the pain point and pointing it out and then saying, I'm here to save you. Don't do that. I don't believe yeah, in coaches like the old that do that. Snake oil salesman, yeah, you know, back don't in do the that. day. It's like, they create the problem. They tell you why they're the, the answer. And then they sell you the widget that's going to fix right. the problem. And for me, yeah. I mean, when people say that, to, I, I hate when people call me healer. I'm like, don't call me healer. Oh, yes, I am a healer. I heal me. Okay. And, okay. and if I need additional support, I have functional medicine, integrative medicine, holistic medicine doctors that support me, right? They support me. Mm -hmm. They don't heal me. My body heals itself. And there's medicines out there if I need to go to that place, but I'm not a big pharma person, obviously, but yeah, the, same goes, the same goes with the mental health. I'm a mental health practitioner of holistic well-being. I'm a havening practitioner working hypnotherapy as well. I'm not going to, don't come to me and ask me to heal you. Don't ask me to empower you. Let me, if you teach a man to fish kind of thing, right? Let me mm -hmm. show you how to use these tools. And then you tell me how you feel. And if you need extra guidance and you're, you're struggling with it, I'm here. I'm like the person at the hardware store. You come in, you ask me that you, you, you got to put up a shelf and you don't know how to do that. Well, I'm going to show you what tools will help you. Oh, you need someone to hold the level and hold the other end so we can level it. I got you. 
but I'm, mm-hmm. you're not doing it yourself. And you certainly, I'm not doing it for you. Right. Don't hire people to do what you can do yourself. Right. Bring people in that can right. support you. And I think that's really an important distinction with children because the mm-hmm. sooner we let them know that the empowerment exists within, and as soon as we let them know that they've got it within them, the empowerment is like radiating, amplifying, building as they go. So when they're in mm-hmm. that position where they're where they are making a choice that might not be so positive for their well-being, they already have it in them like they're going to be thinking about it. And yeah. th- I think that's it, you know, part of it at least. Yeah, so. I, th- I think it's unfortunate that we're so desperate right now to get these numbers mm-hmm. going in the right direction that we have to start entertaining uh, pretty much any option on the table. I mean, yeah. I don't think we're at a point in society to say, you know, this option over here, you know, we're not going to entertain it because, well, whatever reason. It, and that that would be fine in and of itself if if the numbers weren't getting worse. And mm-hmm. so you have, you know, suicides, overdose, alcohol, 800 a day in the United States alone are dying. And when Seth died in 2016, it was 46,000 overdoses. It was 108,000 last year. Mm. So the thing that I just get really confused, frustrated, um, perplexed is this inverse relationship. It seems like between knowledge and results, you know, Mm. it's like you just assume that opioid prescription would be cut in half over a decade, which they were. Oxycontin mm-hmm. and those opioid painkillers that the deaths would get, would stop. Well, they didn't, mm-hmm. they doubled. So it's like, the, and that's the naive nature I think of our society is that we just think that you do X and Y will happen. So mm-hmm. I, as a mental health advocate, a new mental health advocate, just five years into this whole thing, I could really have, you know, care less about mental health five years ago. I'm just really in learning mode. It's like, I'm open to me, all hands on deck, everything's on the table. So that's a, that's my segue into a topic I wanted to ask you about because you're mm-hmm. holistic and this makes me think of psychedelic research, uh, mm-hmm. with mental health, you know, where, where, you, what's your thoughts on that? Where does that fit in Uh full disclosure? I've never done a, a drug, um, never smoked pot, never did a drug, drank everything I could get my hands on since high school. Mm-hmm. Don't drink anymore, but I'm open-minded that there's a lot of research out there that actually was out there in the seventies and the war on drugs just buried all this really legitimate research on psychedelics. And now you see a kind of a renaissance or a resurgence of very well-respected, you know, thought thinkers, the leaders, the leaders of, um, you know, thinkers out there that I follow, Yeah, they are, they're entertaining this. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. I'd say, you know, again, we wouldn't have to go down these roads if, if we weren't having these problems. I agree. And I'm not as well, I'm not as well versed on the psilocybins out there, the mushrooms, um, even the cannabis. I mean, I'm, I'm open to learning and I'm very open to what these, these natural plant-based. Yeah. The plant-based. Right. The plant-based. Like we're trying to yep. be, live in a plant-based society anyway, just with the foods that we right. take in. Right? right. So this is just level up in a way. And I think in the, in the right kind of support and container, because it really is a container yeah. of, of, of protection. Yep. And you don't want to go into this, like, I'm just going to buy some on the street and do it myself. Oh gosh, please. Yeah, Your do setting not. is very important. Right. In what, your, I, what I see. Yeah. Your environment is very important. The knowledge that you, we have to be our own healthcare advocate. 
I don't care who you are and how old you are. You have to be your own healthcare advocate. I tell that to my clients all the time. I say it myself, you know, if you are not aware of what's going on in your own body and you're just leaving it up to doctors and therapists and say, no, don't, they might have more knowledge, (laughs) but you know, if your plans for the government or corporate America to come into your body and, and help you, you know, how's that gone so far? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it's and been a disaster. It has been. And I mean, this even goes back to the simplicity of nutrition. Like I'm an integrative right. nutrition health coach. Right. Do you know how much nutrition schooling medical doctors actually get in their medical school? Like mm-hmm. a class. So it's just, that's as simple as just that as an as a, mm-hmm. as a, um, example. They don't have to take nutrition classes. More colleges and universities are actually implementing, but like your nutrition matters just as much as if you're going to look into other possibilities like the, uh, like the philocybins out there, like the, the different kinds of mushrooms, the cannabis, even we're, we're studying. I work with so many doctors now that actually are going the cannabis route and Mm. You know, this isn't like Woodstock, right? This isn't like we're just throwing right. drugs out there and everyone's on a ter- Timothy right. Leary trip, right? This yeah, is like right. specifically using these, the earth, the earth heals, you know, Hippocrates yeah. said it, let thy food yeah. be thy medicine, medicine thy food. The earth heals. And if we have knowledge and our health and we are our own healthcare advocates and we trust the people that are sharing information with us, mm-hmm that's when you create a safe container of support. And that goes with the kids as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing a lot of vaping too, which I think is just oh, it's, like, it's, I it's can't huge, even but, Jeff, I can't. But, I mean, you're so, you're so right. And again, I was on a conference call last night, a zoom meeting with a board I'm on with rotary and talking about, um, you know, the, just the acceptance with alcohol, just so haphazardly in our country, mm-hmm. yet we're so hyper-focused on, marijuana and, you know, uh, fentanyl and all these things that we just want to eradicate or take off the planet. But, you know, we can sit at, at night and watch a football game with our kids and drink as many beers as we want. And that's socially acceptable, right? you know, in the confines of our own house. And it's like, you know, last time I checked, alcohol isn't an earth, <laughs> you know, it's, it's manufactured from mm-hmm. you know, elements of the earth, but there's, it's, you know, it's technically like pharmaceutically made, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's causes more destruction than marijuana ever will and ever has and ever could on the human body alone. Yeah. Uh, alcohol does. Um, yet again, that's what we battle with, with these stigmas is kids yeah. see, okay, alcohol's okay, but marijuana isn't there. I don't understand it. You know, why, why, do, why do adults just say it's okay to do this and not okay to do that? And it's like, I think that creates initial confusion with kids when they get in their teenage years. Is you see, and I was a hypo, I was very hypocritical with Seth because my wife and I would drink. Uh, you know, we were alcoholics the whole time. Seth was going through his addiction issues, and you know, I on one hand would sit there and drink as much as I wanted to, and then I would you know tell him not to. Yeah. You know, and so, it, no, again, you're the adult. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I've like I've earned the right because I had right. a hard day at work, and you didn't earn the right because you don't. You know, and it's like. I just think if we want to really start as adults to make that impact on our kids and show them the right way, we need to start with ourselves. Oh yeah. And I've said this in, in presentations before it, you know, with adults and stuff. And I said, you know, if you are struggling with communicating your 
belief structure on certain things with your kids, look at yourself. You know, you don't want your kids to drink, but you drink five nights a week in front of them, or you go out for dinner and you have to order a beer. No, you don't. I mean, you're making that choice and then you kind of want your kids to not, you know, kids are going to emulate you. You're, you're like an Avenger to them. You know, they look up to you. And if mom can drink a bottle of Pinot Grigio on a Wednesday night, maybe that's acceptable and society accepts it. Cause there's commercials about wine and beer. And so I think kids are confused. It's like, why is psilocybin and MDMA and DMT and cannabis all like, us, you know, something we're not supposed to do, but alcohol is so really acceptable. And then, I think 85% of all adult medical issues are basically diet related. Oh, you know, yeah. have you heard of the blue zones? You ever heard of the blue zones? I have, but not fill me in a little bit. So, yeah. I love talking about this and Dan Butner. I've had him on my podcast. He's the founder of the blue zones, but he's also, um, National Geographic fellow and journalist, which is why he was able to travel the world and learn about this. But Dan mm -hmm. came up with this idea. There are five areas in this world that are considered the blue zones. And it's those five areas based on nine principles where there's no chronic illness, no drug issues. People are living a sustainable life. It's about community. It's about faith. It's about uh, it's about long term friendships, home cooking, you know, eating the rainbow kind of thing, but also not being so obsessed with going to CrossFit or needing to, you know, ne the need that, that work to, to that live to work rather than work to mm -hmm. live. Right. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that these areas have no chronic illness. They, people are living well into their one hundreds. It's, it's, it's like the Island of longevity basically. And it's, there's uh, Icaria, mm. Greece, um, Sardinia, Italy, uh, Costa Rica. There's an area, only one area in, in America, and it's Loma Linda, California, because it's a big community of sustainable living. And then wow. um, one other is uh, Okinawa, Japan. So why can't we live more like that, where we're nurturing that it takes a village, letting people know that you're protected, you're safe, you're supported. We're so guided by the commercials, like you said, the beer commercials, the wine commercials, used to be the mm -hmm. cigarette commercials. I mean, we're we're changing in a better way where, you know, you're not seeing like three cigarettes are great for my pregnancy. Remember those old yeah. ads back in the day? Like we're doing oh, yeah. better, but it's really about the community and it takes a village. And I think you need to be an example and lead by example. It doesn't mean I don't want my kids to drink, so I will never drink. Like, enjoy a drink if you want it, but don't do it to celebrate. Have it because you enjoy mm. it. If we're looking to mm -hmm. that as a celebration, we're going to either avoid celebrating good things because we're scared to overdrink, or right. we are relying on some kind of distraction, which leads to addiction, to be our happiness, right? No, absolutely. No, no bueno on yeah, that one. I, yeah. Yeah, I just, um, it's, it's unfortunate with all everything we have today that we have so many people unhappy with their lives, you know, yeah. and it goes back to expectations, you know, like the, the living under certain mindset I mm -hmm. talked about when I was on your show, it's like the expectations are out of whack. Um, you're supposed to obtain a certain amount of wealth at a certain age. You're supposed to have a certain amount of credibility in, you know, in the society that, you know, respect and designations and honors. And then you get to like 55 or 56 and you're like, I don't have any of that. So my life must, must've been a waste because I haven't accumulated where society said I needed to be by this age. Mm. And, you know, I look at myself at 56, I didn't plan on being widowed. Are you kidding me? 56. Mm. I didn't plan on having two of my three boys here, you know, 
I didn't plan on basically quitting my investment career, walking away at the peak of my career because I just didn't want to talk about money anymore. Mm. I didn't envision any of that yet. I leaned into it as mm -hmm. life, like giving me this gift, uh, uh, the gift of spontaneity, mm -hmm. the gift of creativity, uh, the gift of gratitude. You know, these, these are gifts that life gives us if we look for them because they're mm -hmm. out there. Even the worst, the worst thing that can possibly happen to you, mm -hmm. um, can be somehow looked at as an opportunity or a gift. Um, I, I know people that have, I have a friend of mine that had ALS and he died and he all the way to the end. Um, he adamantly tried to look at everything as his last day was a gift, not, not I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It's, and it's like, I'm not given that situation. Thankfully I've not been told I'm going to die anytime soon. But if I, I often think about that, you know, yeah. after what I've been through, you know, it's like, what if the next thing happened in my life where I went to the doctor for a routine checkup and they said, you got pancreatic cancer, pancreatic, <laughs> pancreatic cancer, Jeff, or, um, your kidneys are failing or something. It's like, you know, that, 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 that's, um, kind of a neat, um, way to have, um, negative visual visualization is what the Stoics called it, where you just visualize something like impermanence and, and it's supposed to bring you a little bit more uh, oneness with yourself and a little bit more um, in the moment type mindset. And so I don't know where I got off on that, but it's like, I think sometimes we need to really look at where we are in our lives and what our pursuits are. And are we really happy and why not? You know? And I think it's also not waiting until we're in our midlife or later to mm -hmm. say that. And there are going to be a lot of shifts in our lives, right? And many of us are going to go through traumas, multiple traumas. And it's how we turn those traumas into triumphs, which is what I talk about a lot. That really makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's how you're living between the bookends of life and death. Cause both of those two entities, those two eternities rather are inevitable. You're going to be born yeah. and you're going to die. So yep. how do you want to live on the pages in between? And right. how do you want, what do you want on your epitaph? What do you want to be your eulogy? How do you want to touch, mm. move and inspire people in this world? And when you start thinking about that before you're sick, before you are on your bed. And I had a really powerful conversation with um, a friend of mine who's a palliative care doctor who happened to be on my mm -hmm. show talking about that. Like what, like the, the, the idea of dying is there, but don't wait for the, the end is near or the finality of something to make the change because yeah, exactly. we're all here with a service to, to share and provide something. Every single one of us is a lesson and every one of those traumas we've been through is also right. a lesson, you know, bitter road, better road. And, right. Yeah. And with that, that phrase that I've, I've taken to the purpose becomes passion mm -hmm. when it gets personal. Mm -hmm. If you think about that for a minute, it's like, why do we have to wait for something to happen mm -hmm. to find passion? It's like, that's where, when you're talking to kids again, how do you talk about meaning and purpose to a 12 year old? It's difficult because that those words probably mean something completely different to a 12 year old. Sure. So instead of trying to talk to your kids about, oh, you got to find your purpose or find your meaning. And they're just, you know, 14 or 17 or whatever, you know, maybe there's other words we could be using to make yeah. the same effect, like say joy, determination. Yeah. Desire, happy, motivation, right. 
Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, Instead of saying meaning and purpose, which is almost getting now just to be an over overused. Now you're just term. like an old guy using terms, right? It's like, you got to talk, yeah. you got to meet them where they're at. And I think kids right. today are so much more advanced because we live in this global village, right? We call that in the, mm-hmm. in the media world, we call it a global village where it's like at the touch of the finger, you can be wherever you want to be. Where when we were kids, you had to pick up, you know, 17,000 pound encyclopedias to get an answer. Right. So mm-hmm. like, I think when you, we all, and I, I don't want to use the term we, you, me, those of those listening, the one thing that is in each and every one of us and is, is truly something desired and deserved is happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. And whatever age you are, you experience that, you know, the kid on the baseball field that hit a home run or just being out there with your friends, the, um, the little girl who got invited to the birthday party and now she's got a a new friend, uh, you know, or had a great ballet dance or just being around family and friends, whatever it is, it, that goes into adulthood too. So when you Mm -hmm. find those pockets of joy and you start elevating, elevating and amplifying, amplifying ripple effect, ripple effect, the joy that takes over the other stuff and they're going to, you're going to be more in that joyful place. So it's giving kids that to let them know this, this is, you have to have the yin and the yang. Like you have to have the balance. Yeah. You know, let me ask you this question. Is the pursuit of happiness, what is really the key and not attaining happiness? Cause it seems to me, once you get to the top of the mountain, mm. once you lose 20 pounds, you know, once you, what's um, next? It's like, it's like, you know, in the pursuit of reaching something, it's almost the antithesis is inevitably going to happen. It's like, you can't, like you said, yin and yang, you're going to have the ups and downs. And I'm not sure we're well-schooled at young ages about the downs. It's like, you know, we want good grades. You want to be on the sports teams. You want to get your stuff for college. And it's like, that's, that's like the pursuit. But then once you get there, or if you don't get there, you know, because one of the two is going to happen. You're either going to make the varsity roster or you're not, you know, but it's, it just seems like we're not preparing kids to not look at that as a failure or, um, something negative, you know? And that's why, that's why just this last year, six division one athletes took their own lives committed to, you know, that's the highest number in the history of the NCAA. I think it was over a two month time span. I think four were women and these were all straight, a good looking, um, you know, productive, um, uh, uh, athletic, you know, just good families, but there was something missing, yeah. you know, and, and I'm, I'm on that quest to try to figure out how we, as, as advocates, you know, you and I, and everybody else that we talk to every day, how we can do a better job, you know, mm. finding out for these kids. So we don't have to deal with more of these suicides and more of this depression and more of these issues that they're having that just seemed it didn't exist when I was younger. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot we of, we weren't having kids in my high school taking their lives and they no, weren't dying. No, I, I think I probably witnessed, uh, or had knowledge of one suicide when I was in high school and I don't, and, and they, car crash not, killed somebody. That was the only right. thing. In high school. And yeah. I do think a lot of it has to do with the comparison factor we're seeing on social media. Right. Everyone's comparing themselves. I hear this a lot with my kids I'm, and my kids meeting my college kids, the ones that, that I teach at uh, St. John's, mm-hmm. which is a division one school. And I have a lot of athletes mm-hmm. in my class too, and they have a lot mm-hmm. of pressure, these kids. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I hear is stress, anxiety, overwhelm, stress, anxiety, mm-hmm. overwhelm. Like those are the three mm-hmm. things I hear also as a faculty advisor too, for one of the sororities, that's what they hear. 
comparison, stress, anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that, and I've seen this happen. So I'm glad to see this happen is really giving them tools to, and talking about it. Can I just, I'll share this when last semester and this, and semesters prior, every end of my semester, they do a group project or they do a, they have, I teach journalism communications because that's my background as a health and wellness journalist, mm -hmm. in addition to being a, a practitioner of private practice. Um, and nine out of the 15 students, their topic for their final project, which was to interview somebody that or pick a topic that is meaningful was about mental health. So it's talking yeah. about it. It's being more open. I was elated. I wish it was 15 out of 15. Yeah. It's but like they, the number one Googled word someone told me yes. or top five Googled words. So at least the conversations are happening for, because God knows when we were kids, we didn't talk about going to your therapist, talking about your mental health. You know, the word crazy comes up. She's troubled. He's troubled. Now we're starting to talk about it. And I think more conversations need to happen in a safe mm -hmm. container, a safe place. Kids need to, they're, they're, I think it'd be great if there's more children advocacy, you know, children ambassadors of it. I get emails all the time about we're looking to yep. create stuff and you're working on something like that. Yep. Give kids the chance to talk it out and talk about it and be the, the leaders and the advocates and being those Pied Pipers for their, their generation. And then give them the tools like the social emotional learning tools to self-regulate, like havening techniques, like uh, put a lot of things in your toolbox so that you know what you want to grab. Maybe it's a yoga class. Maybe it's taking a walk. Maybe it's havening. Maybe it's writing poetry. Whatever it is, have an outlet that brings you joy, right? That you're going to yeah, want to go to. That you're going to want to you go know, to. To, to change yeah. the narrative, we have change to change minds. You know, yeah. we have to change minds because, um, again, there's just something missing. There's just something, I don't, I don't know if kids today have a sense of accomplishment, you know, it's like they're, they're just, oh, yeah. um, they're, they're kind of lost. I, I just, again, every generation says this, you know, I walk 10 miles in the snow to go to school, you know, and right. you're on a bus or, you know, it's like everyone has it harder, but you know, I think the fact we had it harder was so much better. It just to be outside and playing with my three brothers in the woods all day long. And now mm. it's like, now it's like, I look out my window here and I'm, I see a cornfield over there and I've got neighbors and stuff. And maybe two times a week, I'll see kids in the back, any of the backyards. We need, and it's nature. very, you know, it's just anywhere it, yeah. and they're all. And so again, it's like, I don't know. I think, I think it's easy to kind of identify the problems, but it's like hard to figure out the solutions because every adult is a little bit biased in what they think is the right way to solve the solution. And I think, I think it's pretty clear that our biggest competitor is attention. It's, it's trying to get kids to, um, have the attention to be aware that a mental health is a train coming at them. Mm. All they have to do is watch their parents argue or watch, mm. watch adults talk and you'll see where all the problem that that's inevitable that's coming. And then, what are skills you can develop, you know, to, to empower yourself to, you know, make, make tough decisions, you know, make, make tough decisions. And if you make a decision and it's maybe not the right one, make it the right one. Right. You know, don't go back and keep changing your mind all the time. I tell, I tell my two boys all the time, you make a decision and if it ends up not being the right one, well, then you just make it the right one. And I think it's also, and I love that you're sharing that. I think part of it is also, we did grow up 
you know, being the latchkey kids grow up oh, yeah. in the field. I was home by dark. That was basically it. We, we pretty we much, kind of, yeah. We, we kind we of cushion got dark. everything, right? You cushion yeah. everything now. Like don't play, uh, don't, don't, the, all the equipment ha- is very padded and everything. Don't get out of my that. sight. Right. And I think we are, we are weaning our children in that direction where we, we're not creating a space for them to like, okay, you want to eat dirt? That's fine, but oh, it's not going to be yeah. the best thing for you. And the other yeah. thing with that is that it goes back to giving them um, the ability to know what it's like to face breakups, face heartache, face, right. you know, you tried and you get back up. Remember the Weeble Wobbles? Remember Weeble Wobbles oh, yeah. back in the day? We were so just that, talking about them right. the other day. That's, I love that, <laughs> that you were because I have, a, I have yep. a running joke with my mom and I have an old up there. I can't reach it right now, but I have like a, a antique Weeble Wobble and she's got I one of my I remember the farmhouse and I remember yes, the yacht. the whole tree house. And the boat, the yacht. That was my favorite one. <laughs> but the whole idea of the Weeble Wobble is Weebles Wobble, but they don't fall down. So get That's your right. butt back up. That is like that. the best toy that was ever made because it hmm. reminded us as kids, you're going to wobble, but you're going to bounce back up. And we're, we've got, I'm not sure they the, intended it. No, I'm not sure the marketing not. department intended it that way, but now I, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Because they should bring them back. That was that you could just thump those things and they'd wobble back and forth. And that, that's they really a good up. metaphor for it is. talking to kids today. I yeah. use that a lot because I think it's like hmm. they, and I'll bring the weeble with me. I'm like, this is a weeble wobble. This is what I played with. This thing you can't knock down. It will get back up. Right. And hmm. that you have a responsibility to yourself to not hold yourself down. You can hold that weeble down, but that's your hand doing it. Nobody else's, Hmm. you know? And so it's the same thing in that if we empower ourselves to know that we're going to get back up, it's going to make a big difference. So it's, it's ingraining that into like really getting down into a child's mind that you have the ability to do, yes, you're going to fall. Yes. You're going to face heartache and breakup. Yes. You might fail a test. Yes. You might not make the varsity team, but that does not lessen who you are. And it's just going to be that weeble wobble moment where you're going to get back up and you're going to try again. And yes, you can be pissed about it and you can be upset about it, but how long do you want to linger in that before you're like, wait, I got stuff to do. Right. Right. That's what we need to instill in kids is like, remind them that they are weebles that will wobble, but they will not fall down. (laughs) <laughs> it makes me want to, it makes me want to go to eBay and go find a unopened Weeble set and buy it, you know. My and mom then, has a set of it. them. She's given them to every grandchild. So I have to give yeah, I have to throw credit it. to Beverly. That was my Rousseau favorite toy one. growing up by far. Yeah. yeah I, I that's that's funny. And it's funny that we were just talking anymore. about with someone else just last week. Um it's so great. Well, listen, uh, how do how do people reach you? Well, I would love to continue the conversation with anyone that was touched, moved, inspired by this. I'm always uh, inspired by the conversations I have with my my friends. And you can reach me by going to hillaryrusso.com. That's one L. And uh, as a gift for those who are listening, I want to extend, you know, we talk a lot about purpose. You talk a lot about purpose mm-hmm. as well. But if you go to hillaryrusso.com slash purpose, I'm offering a free download for those who want to do a self-guided meditation with me on self-havening to right. change your thoughts, moods, and behaviors and put the power of active emotional being in your hands. So yeah, get in a Delta wave my, state. All my, all my followers and listeners to jump on that. I mean, definitely free is not a bad option, right? No, not at all. <laughs>
Um, well, listen, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate uh, our friendship and uh, yeah, I can definitely. look forward to uh, continuing these conversations. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's always a pleasure. All right.